1: of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of david they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom as for the enemies of freedom those who are potential adversaries they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the american people we will negotiate for it sacrifice for it we will not Surrender for it, now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Frantz Authority on AM 1420, The Answer.
2: Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. On this Monday, the 16th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan who joined us in the last segment, as he always does, with some important knowledge about what's going on <clears throat> in Washington, D.C. I want to open up the phone lines to you now at the top of hour two, 216-901-0945. I had so much I had to read to you. Molly Hemingway asked, it's funny, I spent uh, a good part of my second segment uh, quoting Molly Hemingway and her Twitter account, because uh, Molly Hemingway is a writer for The Federalist, who actually did some credible journalism on this, uh, on the Kavanaugh smear <laughs> with the uh, New York Times story. And Jordan comes on and says the same thing, that it was Molly Hemingway that we all need to pay attention to. So I was really glad to see that. Um, but that, that is the only place... Really, the true journalism is being practiced here. It is not being practiced at the New York Times. That is for certain. But uh, really, really good stuff there from uh, the congressman. And I uh, did not have a chance to take your phone call, so I want to do that now. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Comment to me on Twitter or Facebook about these things at France Radio F R A N T Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. Who's been sitting here the longest? Got to be Frank in Brook Park. Frank, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning. Go Thank right you. ahead. Thank you. Yes, sir. Tomorrow
3: morning at 10 o'clock a.m., there will be a press conference on the sidewalk in front of the preterm infant homicide chamber. Okay, Pastor Walter Moss, who is an army of one, will be a main speaker. There will be other people, too, perhaps from some other out-of-town organizations. A woman died from a preterm abortion in May, early May. And uh, she had, turned out, she had twins. They aborted the one child. It was an early abortion because there was a twin in her fallopian tubes. She had extreme complications, and later on, I don't know, it was within the same afternoon, evening, or whatever. but she died within, like, 24 hours from the serious complications of preterm the emergency room doctors could not help her. She had lost a lot of blood, it was accumulating, I guess, in her stomach. And I can't remember everything.
1: Has
2: but the uh, has has, has anybody with the facility out spoken out on point. this, Frank? Fra- Frank, has any has anybody is with the thing? facility? Fra- Frank, Frank, hold thing? on. Let me let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Uh, has has the clinic, the uh, infanticide center, or whatever it is we're calling it, have they spoken out on this?
3: Have they spoken out on it? No. Yeah. Have they addressed it? No, no, no. It's it's oh. it, it, it's been the emails among the pro-lifers, uh, but tomorrow is the press conference, ten o'clock a.m. Tuesday tomorrow. Well, what
2: what I'm trying to find out, though, Frank. If hold on, what I'm trying to find out is uh, how do you how do you and the others in the organization, the pro-life group, how did you find out about
3: it? You know, I'm not precisely sure. That's Bob. It is so difficult to find out these things. So when you do, you have to utilize them.
2: Well, one, yeah, but I, mean, press- but I mean, but I guess I want to know what we're talking about here. You know, you're saying there's going to be a press conference, but if this press conference is it going to have any facts, is it going to have anything that, you know, any, any evidence or proof that this happened in there so that we can run with this? Because that's the kind of thing we have to be careful of, is, is just that if we get something on innuendo or hearsay, uh, I just want I, to be careful. <clears throat> I,
3: I, by the way, I am not an organizer of the press conference, but right. it has not been done in four years. When Lakeisha Wilson died, we also had a very large one. Cheryl Solinger came from Operation Rescue. No, right. this is corroborated, Robert. This is, this okay. is corroborated, not by me.
2: Okay, well, yeah, well, I would, if you can find out, Frank, for me and let me know that, maybe call back off the air even and, uh, and, and let us know that because any corroboration would be important as far as covering this. Cause if this is something, you know, this is front and center again. Not that abortion and abortion rights shouldn't be front and center all the time or abortion or technically pro-life rights and the right to life is how we feel, but the story should be front and center all the time. But especially now with what we're enduring here with the Kavanaugh smear, which is again, a straight-up defense of roe versus wade they're trying to remove him and try to stall any other confirmations uh before uh donald trump leaves office so that they don't have to be afraid of roe versus wade being overturned so this is a big story right now and if you have any corroboration you can send me frank i would really appreciate it okay
3: yes and by the way i want to add add one other thing yeah that's Just before 1.30 in the afternoon this past Saturday, I was there with three other pro-lifers, and the rescue squad just showed up again. And they hauled the woman off wow. at about five minutes to 2 o'clock in the rescue squad at pre charm. So there was another serious mishap. In fact, the abortionist woman, a woman abortionist, got in the truck with the EMS to go to the hospital. because She was inadequate to save the woman, and they had to take her to the hospital. That was Saturday. At five minutes to two, they pulled out to go to the hospital with this woman who was wounded at preterm Saturday morning.
2: Nope. This is Definitely. so much more prevalent than people realize or want to admit. Even that, you know, I mean, it, it's so important to know that. Frank, thank you for the call and for the info. And if you could, in corroboration on the other, uh, please let me know that. Uh, anybody who watched the movie Unplanned knows how these things can happen. And that was a first-hand direct eyewitness account from Abby Johnson, the former Planned Parenthood director, um, uh, in that story. So, uh, I, it really does happen more than you believe, which is why, again, we'll tie it to the current story of the day with Brett Kavanaugh and uh, and Roe versus Wade, why this matters so much. Uh, Fred has been waiting the longest. Next, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Fred, go ahead.
0: Hi, Bob. Uh, what I'd like to say is the this Kavanaugh garbage is just the beginning. Chapter one over the next year because this is how they're going to do it. The Democrats are running scared. They know that Trump is going to win. And the next story will probably be one of Trump's uh, indiscretions over uh, 20 years ago. This is just the beginning. And I will predict to you that in 2020, when Trump wins, and wins handily, because I don't think the Democrats are going to have a strong turnout. I think so many people are turned off that there may not be Democrats voting for Trump, but they won't vote. And when Trump wins and we take control of Congress, and the Senate picks up seats, we're going to see a mass exodus of these senior Democrat people, Pelosi, Nadler, you name it. They are all going to resign, and that that's what I see happening in one year.
2: I hope that is the case, because you have seen the quality of their younger generation of liberals who want to replace them, the squad members, Oh my goodness, if the senior members were to resign and turn their party and their movement and their progressive ideas over to these lunatics, um, it, it'll be like shooting a fish in a barrel for us. So I, I hope you're right, Fred. I appreciate the phone call. Thank you. As far as the, you know, it's funny. He said it's the beginning. You know, eventually they're going to come up with something else that Trump did 30 years ago or something like that. Uh, Kurt Schlichter, who is uh, a friend and a senior columnist at townhall.com, you hear him filling in for uh, uh, Hugh Hewitt from time to time, as I do. He tweeted something yesterday. Uh, Was it yesterday? Yeah, I believe it was yesterday. Well, yeah, of course it was. It would have had to have been because this is kind of when all of this broke. Um, He tweeted something that I found very, very interesting. And that was, I don't care. Now, he used a little more colorful language. He's known to do that on Twitter. He just, he kind of drops bombs that I will not read to you on the air. But essentially, what he said was, I don't care. Um, and I'm paraphrasing it because I don't have it in front of me. But he said, if Brett Kavanaugh did expose his Beto, which is what he, <laughs> the term that he chose to describe Brett Kavanaugh's body part, Uh, if he did expose his Beto in a drunken stupor as a a college kid 30-some years ago, Kurt said essentially, I don't care. In fact, I like him even more. Now, I'm going to walk away from the last part there about I like him even more, but his point about not caring is something that should be explored. Can careers and professions and characters and reputations be destroyed, or should they be destroyed, for indiscretions as a youth? Now, nobody is saying that that would be nice if it did happen, if he was drunk now, I, I should probably pause here and remind everybody about the first segment, two segments of the show, in which I outline all of the things wrong with the allegation that Brett Kavanaugh was drunk and that either he or his friends pushed him from behind and thrust his uh, genitalia into the hand or at the hand of a, of a, a college girl. We should point out, again, that the college girl would not be interviewed for this, and her friends say the reason why is because she doesn't remember anything like that happening. So it's all bogus. But to Kurt's point, if it did happen, should a career 30 years later be ruined by some drunken indiscretion at a college party? Where, quite frankly, drunken indiscretions happen all the time. Is it good? Is it positive? Is it something I want to happen to my daughter or my son? No, but should it ruin your career 30 years later? You know what this guy did back when he was 18? Holy goodness, if our careers were all destroyed by things we did at 18 or 17 or 20. Seriously, it just can't. It can't be that way. We cannot comb back through every indiscretion of every human's life and then later on say, 30 years later, oh, well, this has, this is reasoned why you should be fired from your current job. You should be fired from your job. You should be kicked out of any professional organizations, uh, that you might belong to. Your, your reputation, your character should forever be stained with something that you did. That again, not positive, not a positive thing, but also not, a, not a, a life-altering thing. I mean, let's put it to you this way. It was so life-altering to the quote-unquote victim that she doesn't remember it ever happening. In fact, probably didn't happen. Probably a spun story by a former Clinton lawyer who happened to be at Yale at the same time as Brett Kavanaugh. But Schlichter is right. He makes a really, really good point here. He said, If this is true, I like him even more. Because to heck with those trying to ruin people's careers for things that happened 30 years ago, especially things that were relatively harmless. Your thoughts on it are welcome at 2169 010945. Right back after this. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. 1027, I want to squeeze in a phone call here before the bottom of the hour. Dennis has been waiting in Lakewood just about long enough. Dennis, thanks for your patience, sir. You're on the air. Go right ahead.
3: Thank you for letting me talk to you. Certainly. I have an eighth grade education, sir. Okay. okay, And I don't understand what's going on right now. What's going to happen when all these people don't go to jail, which they should go right straight to jail?
2: You're talking about McCabe and uh, uh those responsible for the FISA report and so on?
3: Hillary, Obama, all of them. I, they should all go to jail. And I don't understand that at all. I mean, they're above the law because of their position.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, essentially, that's exactly what we found. She broke multiple federal laws, and James Comey, her buddy and her Trump, uh, fellow, you know, Trump hater, said, uh, Yeah, I don't recommend. um I don't recommend any uh, uh, jail time for her or prosecution of her. So it was her position. Same thing with James Comey himself. Uh, I don't know why. The Attorney General said, yeah, James Comey violated all of these DOJ laws and FBI protocols, uh, but I don't recommend any prosecution of him either. Yes, if you are politically connected, the laws don't quite apply the same way.
3: Okay, two things before I go. Yes, One, how far are we from vigil- vigilanteism? And two... If you get a chance, listen to Paul Harvey. If I were the devil, I've heard that. It's, ama- it's amazing. If you listen to that,
2: it, it I agree. It's one of the, it's a classic, uh, and it's, it, um, it, it's maybe it's worth playing. Amazing. Yeah, maybe it's worth playing again just I, to remind I everybody think it's what it was about here.
3: It. If it's that long,
2: that you're but right. Absolu- it is. It's about
3: it's absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he was a national treasure, and his words, living on, uh, are are still very important as well. Dennis, as to the first question though, about how far are we from vigilantism? I hope really, really far. I don't want to fight in the streets. Um, Antifa does vigilantism. They find what they deem to be reprehensible behavior or crimes or whatever or ideologies. And they take to the streets as vigilantes and commit violent assaults, oftentimes on innocent people. I don't want to be a vigilante. I do want to be well defended. I do want to be prepared. I do want to make sure that in the event of something catastrophic happening and we do have um, chaos and anarchy in the streets, I think we should all be prepared for it, but I don't think we should. any of us should be promoting or hoping for vigilantism. What we should do is honestly support the laws that are on the books, support our law enforcement officers who regulate those things uh, on the streets, and make sure that we try to keep and maintain order the very best we can. This country didn't succeed to the level that it has, being the greatest force for good in the history of humankind, based on... Uh, momentary decisions, temporary anger and insanity, and the kind of things that lead to vigilantism. This country is reasoned. This country is uh, is has been led by forward thinkers uh, and people who understand what it takes to uh, to keep a free republic. And they did warn us, by the way, that we have a republic if we can keep it. And I think we can. We would lose it if we start resorting to leftist type thuggery tactics. Thank you, my friend, for the call. Back after this. now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. I I really want your opinion on what I just described about uh, uh, Kurt Schlichter. Kurt is a senior columnist with TownHall.com, so he's under the Salem umbrella in the Salem family. Obviously a guest host for Hugh Hewitt. By the way, speaking of guest hosting, uh, I will be, uh, not tonight, but tomorrow and Wednesday, I will be sitting in for The Great Sage. Uh, of South Central, Larry Elder. So, uh, I'll be hosting his show tomorrow, the next two nights. Not tonight, but tomorrow and, uh, Wednesday if you want to make appointment listening for that. But, but Kurt fills in for Hugh as I do sometimes as well. And here's, I found his tweet so I could quote it directly. Now he is getting slaughtered by the leftists for this tweet. Okay? He is being called an enabler of sexual assault, and so on and so forth. I mean, it's really brutal. What's hilarious, though, is how he defends himself, because he just does not care what they think at all. But I'm really interested in your response to this. Quote, this is Kurt Schlichter tweeting yesterday about the Brett Kavanaugh, the new Brett Kavanaugh allegations. And the new Brett Kavanaugh allegations are that at a drunken party, he lowered his pants and exposed himself and his friends, Presumably by standing behind him and pushing him forward, his friends, quote, thrust his uh, genitalia toward the hand of a female, quote-unquote, victim. These are the allegations in the new book by two New York Times writers that say should have been investigated, and they prove that he lied under oath. One problem there are no eyewitness to, witnesses to this that aren't Clinton lawyers, <laughs> because the one person who was quoted in this book about this is a Bill Clinton during the Monica Lewinsky scandal, uh, a Clinton lawyer. So there's a clear conflict of interest here, number one. And number two, the quote-unquote victim whose hand may or may not have been victimized by this terrible attack um says she doesn't want to be talk uh, doesn't want to be interviewed about it and the reason for that is according to her friends is that she doesn't remember a doggone thing <laughs> she doesn't remember 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 anything like that happening so anyway that 's the new allegation. The New York Times of course, had to uh, walk that back by pointing out the facts that I just did about the Clinton attorney and the uh, uh, the the quote unquote victim not saying she's a victim she doesn't remember anything so you got a crime here in search of a victim. How often does that happen in 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 criminal law? An allegation of a crime without a victim saying that it happened so Kurt Schlichter tweeted the following quote. Let's assume Brett Kavanaugh got drunk and waved his Beto around in his dorm 30-some years ago. I don't give a single blank. I mean, not at all. Not one iota. I think it's funny. And, of course, the alleged new victim was so emotionally scarred that she doesn't remember it happening. End quote. Now, again, he is being slaughtered for that tweet on Twitter. People calling him a sexual assault enabler, saying, you know, that he, I mean, it's just vile, really vile stuff. He doesn't care. He is mocking it and laughing about it. But I really want your opinion on the larger point here. What his larger point is, thats is that what somebody does at age 18 um, cannot and should not define the rest of their life. And particularly, I mean, let's remember what we're talking about here an alleged exposing of himself at a drunken party in front of an alleged victim who doesn't remember any such thing and only identified by an alleged uh, witness who, you know, again, cannot be counted as reliable. But if this did happen, isn't it pretty doggone harmless as 18-year-olds at college parties go? isn't it pretty doggone harmless? I'm not suggesting that if you rape someone at 18, it shouldn't define the rest of your life. It most certainly should. If you commit a violent felony at age 18 or 17 or 16, it should absolutely define your future career ambitions, your reputation. Because we're talking about things with real victims here. What what these allegations are, they're not rape, they're not sexual assault, they're not harassment, they're drunken college students doing stupid drunken things, which, spoiler alert, college students have been doing since the invention of college and continue to do today. Should a drunken moment at a party 30 years ago... Affect a man's or woman's career 30 years later. Especially, again, if there is no allegation of assault or inappropriateness by the quote-unquote victim. I mean, honestly, what did, what did you do when you were 18 that if you, you know right, Legitimately, seriously, if you're driving right now, try to keep your eyes on the road, but also look into your mind's eye and think back. Did I do anything when I was in college? That I would be really embarrassed to tell people about today. Stuff that I know and nobody else knows. Or I know and maybe only one other, one or two other people who were with me know that I did when I was in college or even when I was an upperclassman in high school that I would be super embarrassed for my professional peers to know today. And did that thing, should that thing that only I know about, about what I did when I was in college or as a as a high school student, um, should that thing revoke my career today? What do you do for a living? Are you an accountant? Do you sell shoes? Are you a factory worker? Or do you lay brick? Are you a business manager? Do you dip fries in grease? I don't care what your job is. Should it be revoked because of that one thing that only you, knew, you know that you did? Again, not talking about violent felonies here. We're not talking about even nonviolent felonies like you know embezzlement. you know if you stole $30,000 dollars when you were 18, it might impact your your career today. But you understand the point should youthful indiscretions, the types of which happen at drunken parties, uh, even to adults today? That's the other part about this too. How many times have you seen adults, grown men, 35 year old men? Being at parties or being at, uh, I don't know, at the at the yacht club or being uh, at the bar on St. Patrick's Day or being at a Browns game, being drunken and doing stupid, drunken things, falling all over themselves, saying things they probably shouldn't say, and the Lord only knows what. These things happen all the time. Should they ruin someone's career if they happen at 18? Uh, That's all I'm saying. Think about what you do. Think about what you did, what you do for a living now, and what you did when you were a a youth, a teenager, a young college student. And should you be fired from your current job based on what you did 30 years ago as a college student? Again, in the area of, you know, drunken, uh, you know, boorish behavior. Because the chances are the answer is going to be 99 times out of 100, no. Whatever that... That little indiscretion you may have been responsible for as an out of control, uh, drinking, you know, college student should not cost you your career today. So why should it for Brett Kavanaugh? And I say that again, underscoring and emphasizing that there is no evidence that this did happen with Brett Kavanaugh. None. Let me, let me get the, get you a round number that you can really, you know, grasp. One you can wrap your head around. Zero. There's the round number you need to know. Zero is the amount of evidence that this actually happened. It is only alleged in a book written by two partisan New York Times writers who claim that a, uh, 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 what did they refer to him as in the book? A respected Washington thought leader. A respected thought leader in Washington is how they describe Max Steyer. They don't describe Max Steyer in a way that he needs to be described for the purposes of this cred- his credibility here. A man who was a Clinton on the Clinton legal team who defended Bill Clinton against allegations in the Monica Lewinsky trial. In the Monica Lewinsky case, Bill Clinton did expose himself to her. And he didn't just thrust himself at her hand. He did a lot worse than that. And he defended Bill Clinton. He also clashed with Brett Kavanaugh personally in legal proceedings in the Whitewater uh, uh, scandals, the Whitewater investigation. Max Steyer, a fellow member a former classmate, I should say, of Kavanaugh's, clashed with Kavanaugh in legal proceedings, defended Bill Clinton, and thus is a friend of the Clintons, accusing Brett Kavanaugh of doing something that even the quote-unquote victim has no recollection of. So there is zero, there's your round number, zero evidence that this happened. And this is the new bombshell that Brett Kavanaugh is supposed to lose his job over. I, I submit to you that even if there was, as Kurt Schlichter said, even if there was some evidence that this uh, beta waving in a dorm room uh, party did happen, that it is something that should not be approved of, it shouldn't be applauded, but it's something, to, something that should not be punished 30 years later. All right, Tim is in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for uh, joining us, Tim. Go ahead. Thanks, Bob. Uh,
4: thanks for taking my call. You yes, know, sir. I, I think This whole thing of sexual assault, and it's just taken way too far. There's a difference between an assault and doing what you're talking about of somebody doing something stupid, okay? I'm going to give you an example. When I was in college, you know, 25, 30 years ago, I got to a New Year's Eve party. Got there about quarter to midnight. All my buddies paid a bet. They they busted up about 200-some dollars walk around naked for 10 minutes, and it was a pretty big party, there was a lot of people there, so, hey, I was going on a ski trip, I said, if I can get the money, why not, I'm a poor college student, so I took down to basically my shoes and a hat, and I walked around a party with a beer in my hand for about 10 minutes, that was the best, I got my money, I won, if I go do something now, is somebody going to come out of the woodwork, oh my gosh, he exposed himself to some 25, 30 women at this party by walking around naked, It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that it's gone this far that just showing your genitalia or or being naked or doing something stupid when you're 18 years old is now trying to excoriate you 30, 40 years later. I just think it's it's completely wrong, and it's gone completely off the rails.
2: Tim, that is a perfect... An absolutely picture-perfect example of what I'm saying. It was a drunken prank, a drunken event, and and here's the thing. Now, if somebody does that today, uh, odds are there's going to be a a a a vi um. What, what's the word, uh, they're going to file, not an assault a charge, but they're going to file a complaint probably with the college. Somebody is going to report this. Somebody is going to maybe file a civil lawsuit against you or a student today who were to walk around a party naked for 10 minutes. 90% of the people would laugh and say, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing it. Um, 100% would grab their phones and start taking pictures of you, and then you would probably thank be brought up phones. on chart. What's that? Yeah, thank, thank God there weren't phones back then. I know, right? <laughs> But but you but you know what I mean the in in the in the in the age we live in in the age of the PPO the party of perpetual outrage you would have been assaulting women's eyes with your very presence there in the nude it wouldn't be laughed at it would be called patriarchal in an examination of you know males uh, exerting their dominance and so on and so forth look at me and uh, you know what I mean it would be a very different story today and that's why they're trying to judge yesterday's events which you're talking about 30, 40 years ago, however long it was you said, yesterday's events by today's PPO, Me Too, and camera phone uh, and social media uh, standards. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to change the culture of the day from from then to today, and that's simply not right. Absolutely. Thanks for taking my call, Bob. Thanks for making that call. That's a great, great story he just told. And that's what college was, right? Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. It just dawned on me. I too am guilty. There was an there was a tradition at my college in my fraternity, in which, at the end of the school year, the fraternity member. Voted to be our frat brother of the year. I mean, it was called something else, but it was basically the the blank of the year, the fraternity member of the year, so the person who had you know did the most for the fraternity, volunteered the most, uh, you know, put in the most time, held the most leadership positions, whatever. It was a vote among the fraternity members, and the you know the fraternity member of the year then got a ten minute head start. Uh, to go hide on campus wherever he could. I think it was 10 minutes. I can't remember exactly anymore. It's been over 30 years. Uh, Before everybody else uh, spread out to find him. And once he was captured, once he was found, he was stripped of his pants and his underwear were run up the flagpole outside the library. It was an annual thing. I don't know if it's still going on today, but it literally had gone on for decades the, the, the frat member of the year, his underwear would run up the flagpole. Then every brother in the fraternity would go arm in arm around the flagpole and sing our, um, uh, our, our fraternity song. Um, that went on. And today I am assuming we would all be charged with assault, uh, sexual assault since we stripped his underwear off of him, uh, forced him to stand there arm in arm, pantsless, singing that song before it was allowed to come down and he could get dressed again. We participated in this. This is what college is. My question is, is would he, in any one of the four years I was there, or we, as the perpetrators of the quote-unquote crime, would we have our careers endangered if uh, those situations were brought to light today? And you think, well, of course not. That's asinine to suggest that. Well, tell that to the New York Times. And tell that to Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Robert Francis O'Rourke, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, and literally every member of the Democratic cesspool of candidates for the presidency. Because they all yesterday called for Brett Kavanaugh's impeachment over that kind of fraternity behavior. Mind you, That kind of fraternity behavior for which there is zero evidence of him ever having participated in. (laughs) Kind of a game changer, isn't it? Right back after this. Bob France, here on AM 1420. The answer. All right, it's uh, 1055. Final segment here before I take my final call of the day. Um, I want to say thank you to Kathy on Twitter for providing me with the corroboration and the news, the details that I needed from Frank from Brook Park, who called on the phones. Frank called me uh, at the top of this hour and told me about the death of a young woman well, I'm a woman, a 26-year-old woman, um, at the preterm Cleveland infanticide facility in June of this year. He was telling me that there's going to be a press conference tomorrow about this in front of that facility, and they're going to talk again about the threat and the danger posed to mothers who decide to go in and have their children aborted at these uh, these ghastly facilities. And uh, I said, look, Frank, I, I appreciate you. Thank you for letting me know about it. Can you give me any details? He said he didn't have any. I said, give me whatever you can on, you know, so I can corroborate this because it's important for us to cover. And Kathy, who's listening, uh, heard it, and she sent me the, the information, and I have it all in front of me. It's something we will discuss on tomorrow's program. So uh, thank you both. Thank you, Frank, for making us aware of this. Uh, and uh, thank you to Kathy for giving us the corroboration we were looking for. Navy man Norm is in Strongsville, going to be our uh, last caller of the day. Norm, go right ahead.
5: I have uh, five words. The lion of the Senate. Or is that four? That's four. Anyway, Ted Kennedy. Let's talk about a traitor. Let's talk about a sex pervert his entire life who drove his wife insane. And yet we're going to compare... Uh, Judge Kavanaugh to the worst of the worst on specious allegations that the quote so-called victims don't remember. I agree with Colonel uh, Kurch Leister, Bob. I really do. Uh, you know this this stuff is just gone beyond the pale. You got Kamala Harris who slept her way to the top with Willie Brown, the Democrat chairman of the California Democratic Party, so that she could feather her nest and get involved in uh, politics and make a bundle. You got. Robert Francis, old barf, who wants to come and get my gun. And I hope he tries. I really do. But he fantasized about running over school children in a crosswalk in Texas. You can look this up. He actually fantasized about doing this. But that's okay. You know, that's okay. He's a Democrat. You know, we, we give him a pass on that. We give Teddy Kennedy a pass. We give Bill Clinton a pass for doing actual things as opposed to Judge Kavanaugh. I don't know if you're aware of it, Bob, but Christine Blasey Ford's father went up to Judge Kavanaugh, and Judge Kavanaugh's father, and apologized and said, I don't believe my daughter. So- Yeah, I did
2: know that, and he supported his confirmation. He absolutely did, and that is something the media would never let you know while all of this was going on.
5: Of course not, of course not. That's, you know, that's not their gambit, Bob. Their gambit is to try to hammer us in the submission and say, oh look at these so-called Christians and Judge Kavanaugh, you know, maybe he did something when he was 18, as you said. Uh, I was 18 in the Navy and I probably did some stupid things. I may not recall, but I'm sure that I did. Okay. But I mean, for them to carry on like this, I agree with Colonel Sleester. I really
2: do, Bob. I do too. I I, I do too. I uh, there's no like I said, short of an actual assault, an actual sex assault. You know, actually, you know, doing something to someone. Uh, it, you know, we cannot just allow people to have their careers and their lives and their reputations destroyed by stupid pranks and stupid things uh, when we're eighteen years old. We got a lot more time to talk about this on tomorrow's program. But for now, Mike Gallagher's coming up next. Stay where you are on AM fourteen twenty. The answer.